On episode 34 of the Goblin Trash Masters, we talk about the benefits of open deck lists, and the Trash Masters do our very own Pro Tour Lord of the Rings fantasy draft. I'm Kyle, joined by my partners in crime. Say hello, Ashley. I'm getting that karate trophy. Say hello, Anthony. I'll be deader than the ghost we named after Javier Dominguez before I let you win a goddamn thing, Ashley. Quiet down. You sound like the children fighting the backseat of my minivan. I will turn this shit around and we will not go to Disney World. You ungrateful little shits. You're not even mine. Oh, oh, shit. Um, uh, let's talk some tracks. Y'all ever fail a test that was open notes? Yeah, my drill dumb. Test. A what test? <laughs> I didn't so hear it. No, I was just talking about a test in school, not one of them tests, Anthony. <laughs> ah. Wow. Organic laughter. Human mouth sounds that people make. Hello, fellow humans. All right. Well, we're going to be talking about open deck lists and not failing. But open open de- deck lists, I feel like, have been a, an interesting conversation among Magic players, mainly because especially like this day and age, it's cool to have open deck lists and know exactly what your opponent's on. But with a lot of the things that we do normally, like we kind of know what our opponent's on, whether it's like, you know, streaming, Twitter, or, you know, just scouting where, you know, you just send your buds out to see what everybody else is playing. Like Mm -hmm. information is known. Now that being said, having just, like I said, open notes on a test or just an open deck list, is still pretty helpful. Agreed. So no, what, the only experience I've had with like open deck lists, open mm-hmm. deck lists is typically something that happens in top eights, right? Or top something. This is an opinionated statement, of course, but I find that open <laughs> deck lists happen in any competently run comp RE event. Even at the LGS level, you should always, I think you should always be doing open deck list top eights. I just think it makes a lot of sense. It And any event where matches are being streamed or televised in any way, open deck lists are good for that. But most commonly, mm-hmm. things like the Pro Tour and regional championships are open deck lists where you just know you're given your opponent's deck list before the match. In any match? Every match. Okay. Yep. At some the level, it's every match you have mm-hmm. your opponent's deck list. Yeah. It's not uncommon for something like that not to be there in Swiss and to be present in the top eight. So okay. what you're saying... You're not making that up. That's not coming at it. Open deck lists, like I was talking about, that surprise factor ends up being gone. You're never like curious as to what your opponent is playing. Your opponent's never like playing a turn one steam vents take two go. And you're just like, are they living end or are they tied holding up a turn one removal spell? Like, you know, if it's an open deck list. Yeah. Yeah. And importantly, what that impacts is your game one mulligans. I think that's a really big pro for this is that there are a lot of times where I've looked at an opening hand in game one and been like, well, I've got two fatal pushes in here. So if this is a deck that is playing any small creatures, I am in really good shape. I feel really good about my ability to survive to later turns and try and uh, do some stuff. But if I'm playing against like Lotus Field or something like that, and I see those fatal pushes, I'm not very happy about that, you know? Open deck lists mean that I get to make an informed choice about whether I'm keeping or mulliganing that hand and not just a ramp. So I think that's a major, major check mark in the four column for me. Yeah, I, I like that point because, you know, it, it's open deck lists help you in those game one mulligan decisions and there's no gotcha moments like, you know, 
like back in the day in modern, like Infect really was one of those decks where it's just they wanted to get you, you know, if they, you don't know that you know, there's going to be a turn one glister enough and they get you on turn two, they struggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And oh, we talk about it a lot where the best player doesn't always win in Magic. That's just how the game is. It's how it's designed. <laughs> and I feel like with, with open deck, deck lists, it's, it doesn't get rid of all the variants, but it really like mitigates it. And just, it really helps, like, yeah. have the better player win in these certain events, especially at, like, high-level IRL events or just even, like, you know, RCQs, RCs, you know, type level. Yeah, I think that for a lot of people, things that decrease variance are nice. I like things that decrease variance. Oh, 100%, yeah. Uh, and open deck lists decrease one form of variance. It doesn't does not help your matchup spread overall, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you less likely to get paired into bad matchups. Yeah. But it does let you kind of formulate a game plan based on real information. And it uh, also de-incentivizes some, like, some shady behavior. It de-incentivizes your opponent when they're cutting your deck from sneaking a peek at what you got, right? Yeah. Like, that doesn't help them. It doesn't provide them any information that the sheet in front of them didn't already provide them. And that's good for everybody, I think, because... I like it when if somebody messes up while cutting their opponent's deck, you can just shuffle up and go. You don't have to suspect, is my opponent do that on purpose to try and gain information? The information's already there. The information was already there. They did not, they could not gain any information. So what would you recommend for players like me who, (laughs) like, in an event, I'm already, like, anxious and I have a lot on my mind and I'm trying to focus on gameplay. Like, this is a really... This could be a really good tool if I were in a deck like that or in an event like this. But how would you remember those things on the fly? Do you get to see the deck list in front of you the whole time or do you get to see it, put it away? Like It's like sideboard guides in a yeah. sense. Like in between matches, you'll look at it and go over it. And I think it's not so much you memorizing every single card that's in their 75 mm-hmm. or even just their main deck, just like what the deck is and like what the archetype is. Like where it's just like you've been playing a lot of Pioneer and you're going, it's open deck list, you know you're going up against, like, say, Lotus Field. You're like, you don't have to know the exact kind of build they have, but you're like, this is the deck, I know they have at least these cards, and this is my game plan going forward. It, yeah. It's like Anthony said, where it's just like, oh, I'm keeping a heavy removal hand. Like, oh, I'm against, like, combo or control. This hand is really bad. I Actually, I think that that open deck list makes things easier for you, not harder, and that you can eliminate some lines of thought early because you some of your first questions you're asking what am I playing against? What are they trying to do? What sort of interaction can they have? And I don't think that the, like you said, as long as you're playing like model white, I don't think that the numbers of specific interactive pieces matter for you so much. So like yeah. mostly what are they doing? Like if I'm you in that situation, I don't have to, you you don't have to think about and come up with the question of are they going to try and kill me with a Dromoka out of the sideboard? You can see if they have Dromoka or not. Mm-hmm. Right. You can just look at it and tell, which is nice. I think it gives you information and eliminates more things than it presents you with. Now, if you were playing a deck that was trying to do a like a lineup theory on your opposing deck, I think that this would provide you with more information and more things to think about than you would normally have. But as long as you're playing mono white, I don't think that's the case. Now, we haven't discussed lineup theory but it's one that I do want to go for us eventually. Like, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but I think short answer to what you said, if you're struggling to remember things, just understand that open deck lists eliminate things you have to think about. They do not usually give you more things you have to think. Just get the basic theme, understand what removal they may have or things like that. And mm-hmm. Yeah, and those questions, 
yeah, those questions you might have, which is like, I'm thinking they might have this. What if they have that? You know if they do or do not have it based on their deck list. So like Anthony was saying, there's, you don't have as many questions and you honestly have more answers in this situation where it's just like, oh, is this one build of blue, white and pioneer running temporary lockdown or are they not? You got the answer right there. Is it in the main or the side? Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it right up front. Mm -hmm. What's their sideboard like? What are they trying to be with their sideboard? What's their, what are, if they have one ofs in the, that are like maybe spicy or just like, you know, tech for the event in, in, in their main deck. You know, you had those answers there and you're not like, oh, I was playing around this, like, like, and they just don't have it. You know if they have it or if they don't. What about cons? How you got any negatives to open deck list? Well, you know, I like to be spicy. So <laughs> there's no gotcha moments. Sure there are. Put one copy of Sensor in your deck and your opponent sees it on the deck list and then they have to play around Sensor, even though there's one out of 60 that any given card. Why do you deck... always bring up references like this and it's a personal <laughs> attack against me? Like, what are they going to do? They're going to feel so dumb if they don't play around the sensor because you could have it, but you probably don't. But you could. But you could. Put the one of spell pierce in there because it's an open deck list. Yeah, but that's the closest thing to a gotcha you're going to get. But yeah, like, I mean, uh, that's, I, I feel like that would be the only con, like real true con for me, at least. Because, and also like with open, with open deck lists, like there's less questions, but I think the... You specifically, Anthony, have this one where it's just, I completely agree. I think the biggest con overall is just the slowing down of tournaments type deal. Oh, yeah. And that, that, that's the like pretty bad part about it. Like, we, there's a lot of really good things that I really do enjoy about open deck lists, but just like events go long enough at this point. Like, yeah, I think like you add three minutes to the start of every match so that you can do so that you can and check deck lists and then you add some extra time to sideboarding and more things go to time again i don't know if i can even i can't even i don't know if i can even say that's a fault of the open deck list i think that's the fault of judging staff at events that are not yeah. strict enough about slow play and i think that we're gonna continue to see every any change anything we do in the system of tournament magic is going to suffer from the lack of calling people for slow play so I hesitate to want to, with my full chest, call stuff like that a drawback. Because at the end of the day, if you're, it, it extends the rounds by three minutes, but it doesn't extend the round clock and it doesn't eat into any round clock time. So again, that stuff going and affecting the overall time of the event in a significant way really is a drop in the bucket compared to not interacting with slow play. I think it's, yeah, like the, the, the culprit isn't, the open deck list part of the tournament is just like the fact that you know who, who whatever the judging staff however big the actual event is they need to you know really enforce that and just in general like and you and i are pretty big on just enforcing slow play because there are times where it's just like come on we got to get through it yeah like it, it's a tough one do you think there would be a specific con for a newer player like me with an open deck list i think it would be just like too much information and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, but just like it's just like a little overwhelming of like I have perfect information. What if I forget or I screw it up or things like that? Kind of like the open note test example I used in the beginning, yeah. which is like <laughs> I have all the answers, but fuck, I still failed. Like, how did that happen? You know, sometimes you kind of get lost in that of just like, all right, I have everything. Like, I have to remember it. I have to remember the whole deck list. This is the exact 75, like all this. And then you're just like, oh, shit, I need to make a game action and move the game forward and do something. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it's too much information at the time, especially when you're new, your nerves might be there. You might be having a rough tournament, you know, things along those lines. But 
I feel like I'd probably be the player that would forget the sensor. I have been the player that forgot the sensor, and Anthony was the guy playing it. You should forget the sensor every time. (laughs) If you see the one-of sensor in there, that's very clearly just there to make you play worse, Mm -hmm. to make you play Mm -hmm. around sensor when you shouldn't be. Okay. But I think scouting is good, though. Like, if if it, I don't even know if this would be like mm-hmm. a con or a pro or anything, but I think scouting is good whether it's open deck list or not, because you kind of see it's not just so much like well, I mean, what's the point of scouting if it's open deck list, right? Oh, well, that's true. Well, I mean, there could be an argument for like scouting an open deck list to see like how the person's playing it, like if they're competent. But I mean, that's nitpicking. But what yeah, with open deck by, list, hmm? what do we mean by scouting? So scouting would be just having some friends that you're playing in the tournament with or just friends who are there to just go scope out the tournament and see what players are playing what decks. So say round one comes up and you're like, I'm playing against, you know, Greg, like, oh, Greg's on Marktide. And Mm -hmm. you have a better sense of like, all right, I know what to keep in my opening hands or like, you know, I'm playing our friend B-Layer at one tournament. I'm like, all right, it's B-Layer. I'm going to get Trond. I know how to I know how to start in in our game ones, and that's one thing with when it's not open deckless. You know, you can just have some of your friends just go scope out what's going on, which is helpful. You know, and like like I said in the beginning, with like hmm. in this day and age, open decklists are really nice, but there's not a ton of like hidden information, even when you just don't have access to your opponent's decklist. Yeah, in this, now in this day and age of streaming and Twitter or X or I don't know what the fuck it's called. I like, so I liked scouting. I like basically anything that encourages you to regard magic as a team sport. So I yes. like that there's an advantage to be gained by having uh, a group, a core group of, of people around you that want to work with you on stuff like this. I think that's good. And I think it is a bit of a shame losing something like that mm-hmm. because you can do the Sean McLaren thing where you're very good and you just do this completely lone wolf kind of way. But I'd be sad to see another aspect of this game that benefits having a support group around you go away. The invitations not passing down and not being able to play in an, in an RCQ if you already have an invite to the RC kind of hurts. I don't love that because I like the idea of going and being able to block for people. And like, I think that's a good thing. I think that's generally just a good thing for the game. But And I think this is another example of that. I think having a group that wants to do this for you is a good thing and it's beneficial to the game long term. It's sad that it goes, but for it, we're getting consolation I think the ups- prize. I think the upside's worth the downside in this case. But I-, I like your point about magic being a team sport because like scouting isn't just like seeing what decks you all might be playing against, but it's like, hey, this is the matchup. How should I play it? What should I be looking out for? It's an opportunity for you and your teammates to coach each other up and help each other out. I'm fairly certain that happened to me at the last RCQ that I played in. My opponent round four, I think, made the comment to the player next to me who had played me like the round before or something like that. He's like, oh, yeah, I know what they're playing. And I was like, oh, dear. Good. (laughs) I must have just not noticed him watching near whoever was playing against me before. And that definitely happened. It was Rakdos midrange deck. Yeah, it's one of those things where open deck list would make it so that was not a strict advantage for your opponent, right? Mm-hmm. Where you would know what they were on rather than just only them knowing what you're on and you being completely in the dark. Even the playing field with open deck list, which is, yeah. I think, one of the better pros for that one. Now, <laughs> Anthony, have you played in like full tournaments with open deck lists? Because I haven't. I've only just done it with like the top eight thing. 
yeah, the RCs. The RCs are open deck lists. Oh, um, I totally, I completely yeah, forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, it's like I, I think it's really beneficial. Also, I like, I do like to suss out a little how I'm playing based on the deck list because I see my opponent playing the deck list and it's like I don't know. Like I'm looking at this deck list and I'm like, oh my god, this is like J Lo singing if J Lo singing were a Magic the Gathering deck. I just looked up at my opponent and said, seemingly to them, apropos of nothing. My God, I've never related more closely to Ben Affleck's alcoholism. Oh, my God. See, open deck lists just allow Anthony to be even more of a ski movie villain. (laughs) It gives him fuel for the fire. No, but in general, I do like knowing what's up. I like seeing my opponent's one main deck duress that they have, and then them seeing that I'm on Boros Convoke, and then them keeping their seven, and then playing a turn one duress on me. And then just being like, but you know what I'm playing. Why would you keep this? Why would you keep that? You know. It's okay. They hit the only action spell in my hand. Of course. One of the four non-creature spells in the deck. There are four non-creature non-land cards in that entire deck. And one of them was in the opener. It was gleeful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The most important one. But yeah, I think at high level events like that, where there's RC or, you know, like the Pro Tours or just, you know, anything like that, it's beneficial having open deck list because you know th- these are the best players like in the world in the regions and it allows them to you know not have some variance and you know it's like this is our kind of sports you know we have quote unquote star athletes in the realm of magic we want the best players sometimes to win and this way that can actually happen i will always love andre Mangucci, even if <laughs> he's not playing in the pro tour this year i love that man Italian yeah is forever and- andre is something else i know that you do like him, but it just sounds like, yeah, he's something else, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, well, I mean, Andrea is not playing in the PT this time around. Oh. The PT will also be open deckless. So I yes. thought we would do something a little fun today. I like fun, but with you, I'm scared. Well, yes. see, we covered our topic pretty thoroughly at this point, mm-hmm. and we have a bit of time. So yes. I thought, just now what if we did a draft okay of players in the pt ooh and see which one of us picks the best team and we just total up match points okay sure i don't know sports i don't know drafts and i don't know the pro players so we'll see how this goes oh watch you'll just pick like i like that name and just end up winning anyway (laughs) it's like anthony when he plays pokemon the card game i don't know what any of these do did i win cool (laughs) did i win have i won yet is it over was that good (laughs) high score what does that mean did i break it what's high score mean Anthony, oh, what's your Grandma's favorite Pokemon? Boy. My favorite Pokemon is... You're going to say something stupid, are you? It's not even a Pokemon. <laughs> he has a nickname for a Pokemon that I find hilarious, and I can't remember what it is, but I thought he would. Oh, wait. Oh, God, I don't remember it. It's the... It starts with an M, I think. Tapu Lili. Oh, Tapu that Lili way is my off. favorite. <laughs> yeah, I was way off, though. I remembered an M. There's no M in that. <laughs> no, there's not. I'm the worst. My brain does that. My memory will just like cross things over that don't make sense. Like I'll sometimes. Oh, you know, the thing with the stuff. And yeah, you did that I'll... one thing that one time with the other thing. <laughs> yeah. I'll reverse colors in memory sometimes. Nice. Yeah. It's real weird. Yeah. Oh, that's a fun game. Krista, my spouse and I love to play is where she'll be like, she'll do the worst explanation of a film or a TV show. And she'll be like, oh, what's that thing where they went to that? that one place and they did the thing i'm like cool running she's like yeah she's like how do you do that no i love doing that that's the best 
So I'm the, fun, I have a PhD in Krista. Fun <laughs> fact about cool running is when I was in kindergarten, I really wanted to be cool. So I told people I was the lead bobsledder from cool running. The Jamaican <laughs> bobsled team. But yeah, I was the 35-year-old Jamaican, just very black man. And I was just like very clearly a kindergartner. I was just like, yep, this is the one. This is the lie that'll get me through. This is what's going to do it. This is what's going to do it. You could have gotten closer and just said that you were that person's child, and that would have been a little more believable. No. No. That's quitter talk. Oh, no. I almost lost the headphones again. Oh, damn it. Okay. Let's take a look at this picture, and it's going to be a list of some folks that we can draft. Sounds good. Three rounds. We each get three picks. Okay. 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 I'm going to drop this into the chat here so that you all can see this image. Okay. Okay. So this is a list of names so that you can take a look at those if you don't know of somebody that's playing in there. But we're going to do a fantasy draft to see who gets the most match points. Now, you can name people on this list. or You can name anybody else that you know to be playing in the PT. Okay. Okay. And it's total match points. And we're going to total them up and see who wins. Okay. Okay. So you can pick any player. We're going to see who goes first. And we're going to do just a snake draft. So it goes like one, two, three. Three, two, one, mm-hmm. one, two, three. Okay. Left, right, left. Ashley's like, I totally have drafted fantasy sports before. She's drafted magic cards before. <laughs> That's true. I have. It's literally it's that the same concept. thing. Yeah. I'm going to do this in the Goblin Trash Masters stuff. We're going to do Wheel of Names, see who gets first pick in the 2023 Pro Tour Lord of the Rings draft. All right. We're All spinning. Right. Who's going to get her first pick? Number one overall. It's going to be Kyle first. Hey, number one. Then Anthony, then Ashley. Okay. Then Ashley, then Anthony, then Kyle. So Kyle, Anthony, Ashley. And then what'd you say again? And then you again. You get back to back picks. I do. All right, Kyle. We're going to do, we're going to do three rounds. And we can pick anyone on these lists. Or anybody that is participating in the pro tour. Everyone on that list is participating in the Pro Tour and would not be a terrible choice. Okay. And I'm going to share my screen so that you all can see as I'm going. All right, Kyle, you get your first pick. Pack one, pick one. But seriously, remove limited from from PTs. I don't want to watch it. I mean, I got to go with with the man, Reed Duke. Yeah, I knew you were picking Reed Duke. Come on. He's my guy. (laughs) Overgrown tomb forever. Reed Duke. (laughs) All right. My pick is going to be stupid easy. It's going to be Nathan Stoyer. He's just Javi- having an insane season. Like, insane. it's unreal. Yeah. I'm going to pick Javier Dominguez. Ooh, it's a good one. Okay, Ashley, champion. why are you picking Javier Dominguez? <laughs> <laughs> you know why? <laughs> because you lovingly named the ghost of my last apartment after Javier. Yeah. So I have very fond feelings for Javier Dominguez. He was a very lovely ghost, and I Love miss it. him. All right, Ashley, you got another pick lined up. Good to go. Oh, shoot, I do. I'm going to pick Yuki Ichikawa. All right. Ah, Yuki. All right. And I guess I'm up next. And this one's tough. This one's tough for me because my heart wants me to pick Yellow Hat really bad. Who's Yellow Hat? Gabnaseed. Gabnaseed, yep. Okay. I'm pretty sure any of my picks are going to wheel. Only get three picks each. Oh, goodness. So tough, I I know. To myself, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with I'm gonna have to God, I would never forgive myself for leaving Gabna Guillaume or Lishi Tian on the board. That's the hard part for me. It is a modern one. So I'm okay, it's a modern PT. Blue black control is well positioned. 
it's represented and one of the major teams is on it. So I am going to go with my heart and pick one of my favorite Magic players of all time in Guillaume Wapatapa. That checks out because you know he's going to be playing Control. He's going to be playing blue-black, whether it's good or not, and I think it is good. This mm-hmm. it, It's a good choice for this event. So we'll see how I do on this one. God, and Arnie Hushenbeth is on there too? Yeah, you just were going over ones that I was going to pick, and I mean, I just got to go with Li Shi Tian. My um, God, I'm going to get... I'm going to get this <laughs> happens to me in every fantasy draft I ever do for any sport. I get like I get I go like so close between those two and I just get blown out. And somebody I love elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's a modern pro tour and Li Shi Tian is hey, historically he's done real good in these. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I actually know a lot more of these names than I thought I did. Oh yeah, I bet. So it goes back to me, right? Back to you, Kyle. All right. That's so tough. God. All right, change of rules. We're doing a fourth round, but the fourth round can't be anyone that was picked here. It needs to be somebody. It needs to be some. It needs to. You have a wild card. Okay. For your fourth round. <laughs> that sounds good. All right. I just, I got to go with my man's Jacob Wilson. Again, overgrown tomb forever. Jacob Wilson is going to be here. You know, he's been. You know, I'm not getting fancy with it. I'm just going Shoda. Yeah, just Shoda. And Ashley, last mm. pick off of the draft board. I'm going to pick. I'm between two. I'm going to pick Autumn Burchett. I like Autumn Burchett. Good choice. All right. Ashley. Wild card. Wild card pick. Wild card, baby. And you, you said. to pick any magic player that is not like, that is qualified, but not like top ranked on our draft board. I'm going to say Christian Calcano. Yep. Christian Calcano is a good bet and not somebody that a lot of people are betting super high on. My one's easy. I'm betting on Derek Davis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's local. I'm rooting for him anyway. I might as oh, well yeah. be rooting for him and rooting for me at the same time. Love it. Super yeah. excited. <laughs> we got a few We got a few folks from near here that, that are qualified in old Barcelona. 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 And then that just leaves right. Kyle's wide card, wild card, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if Nikachu was qualified, I'd, like, I would just snap pick him. Yeah. Oh, uh, Nikachu. Yeah, this might be, like, I just, I can't find the player's name, but there is one person playing Merfolk at this PT. I'm going to write whoever is playing Merfolk. Yeah, because that's my wild card pick. I gotta go with, I gotta go with the fish. All right, so we've got our teams for this one. Mm -hmm. Kyle's team is Reed Duke, Lee Sheetian, and Jacob Wilson, plus whoever is playing Merfolk. Uh, my team is Nathan Stoyer, Guillaume Wafatafa, Shota Yasuka, and Derek Davis. And Ashley's team is Javier Dominguez, Yuki Ichikawa, Autumn Burchett, and Christian Kalkana. These are stacked teams. This is really good. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we might have accidentally. We're pretty close to like having three unique worlds teams on oh, here. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we're not far off. Like, I think we're at like, I think we're at like six or seven of nine and then our wild card. But so at the end of this PT, we're going to total it up. We don't know how this went just yet. But by the time this episode releases, we will, will have that information, awesome. which means that I'll be able to total it up and throw it in there in post. So we'll see who had the most points. I'm going to have to do a little bit of work to figure out whoever the fuck is playing Merfolk. Well, if they do, well, you'll know. And I'll be freaking out. Yeah. I just think that it's so hard for any of us to end up in a situation where we like there's no way there's no way that all 12 of these players on this board are going to win. Right. No, there's no way. It's just like I 
have a good degree of certainty that the PT champion is somewhere on this. Without a doubt. Because that's what our first pick is, right? Our first pick is just like, who do we think is going to win this whole? And, you know, I think this, the, the biggest stretch is probably me on Guillaume. But with blue-black control being as big as it is right now in, in that meta share, you go with the control master. I'd never forgive myself if I had the opportunity to bet on Guillaume Wafatapia, and I chose not to. You just gotta. It's so rough, too, because like no, like none of us had room to pick Marshall Carvalho. None of us had a chance to pick Eli Cassis, Seth Manfield. Luis Scott Vargas is still on the board. Yep. That was what I was between on three. Autumn Burchett or Louis Scott Vargas. I mean, Looking at our there's draft so board. many good players that just we didn't pick, like let alone yeah. the players we did. I, I would like to point out that looking at our draft board, I've played against seven of these players. Really? Wow. I have not lost a match to any of them. Oh, little flex. Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm going to take it. Listen, <laughs> you don't get those opportunities very often. Oh, no. So when no, you no, get no. what I'm going to fucking take it. I'm going <laughs> to pat myself on the goddamn back for this. Oh, show. hell yeah. Yeah. As you should. I mean. All right. So that was fun. We're going to see how we did. Before you all hear the results, though, we are going to do our guessing. Don't drop out after the guessing game, because after that is when we're going to put our results and see who won this Pro Tour Lord of the Rings draft. All right, let's For us, the winner gets a karate trophy. From a thrift store. There. <laughs> Boom. Incentive. Does it have to be from a thrift store? Oh, it could be from a dumpster. It don't matter. It has to be specifically a karate trophy. I see the wheels turning in Anthony's head. <laughs> I hope. Oh, my God. I don't even hope I win. I hope Ashley wins so I can get a custom karate trophy made. And it says, the goddamn ghost won this for you. And Ashley Also, she killed that dog. Yes. <laughs> All right, are we ready to do a traditional guessing game? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. So our guessing game today is I saw it coming from a mile away and still got blown out. Are we not doing phrasing anymore? Do we? Are we supposed to do phrasing on single entendres? <laughs> Here come the mummies. Nope, Anthony, that album came out before most people listening were born. <laughs> but we're going to talk about our favorite card that even if someone knows that you have it, they still get you. So like this one can be, I mean, for me, on mine, I'm still, after we guess it, I have a good story to go with. I love it. Awesome. And I imagine that for most folks, that's going to be the case. Like, you have a reason you picked that. So we want to get those. Do we want to find out who's going first? Oh, yeah. We got to spin the wheel. I'm loving this wheel spin tradition yes, thing. It it's makes so me fun. Happy. So we're spinning the wheel of names to see who can go first. And right on the line, it's Ashley. I so go Ashley, first on these a lot. You are going to well. It's rigged, of course. <laughs> have a give us some just for those of you who don't know how our regular guessing games work. Each of us have a card in mind that meets the description that we named earlier, and we get to give each other cryptic hints as to what the card is. Now, if we're stuck and can't get it. We can always ask the person who's getting us to guess a yes or no questions to get us a little bit closer. Okay. Ashley is going to be going first, so Ashley is going to give us her first cryptic hint about her card. Cryptic command. No, that'd be Anthony's pick. Mine is a black card. Is it a creature? Is it a sorcery? Yes. Does it wipe the board? Not the entire board. Is it ritual of soot? Is it extinction event? No. Not the entire board. Does it cost four mana? More than. Black card that costs more than four more mana. More than four. And doesn't sweep the entire board. Mm -hmm. huh. um, does it care about creature type? Like it's destroy all like non-dragon creatures? Not 
Boy is not the main word. Is it? Oh, does it care about the mana value? No. Oh, okay. Oh. I was I was thinking Shadow's Verdict or mm. Consume the Meek. Does it exile? Huh. Does it give minus? No. A sweeper that doesn't destroy, exile, exile or, shrink. or shrink. I fear I've led you on the wrong path. Sweeper is not yeah. the correct thing, but you do lose permanence on your side of the board. And it's a Does it card. have sacrifice? Is sacrifice part of it? Oh, sacrifice okay. is part. Does it make each player sacrifice things symmetrically? Ooh. Can they discard a card or pay three life, perhaps? No. Is it... Uh, is it five mana? Yes. Yeah. Is it invoke despair? Invoke yes. despair is a good uh, guess. Yeah, uh, I like that yeah, one. That's okay. good. Yeah. One. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great pick. I feel good about that. That was tough for you guys to get. Yeah. That was mm -hmm, good. Mm -hmm. So it's not a sweeper, yep. but you do lose stuff. Like it can blow people out. Like I've seen it happen. And I had a lot of fun playing this card in standard when you just get to resolve this and it just like keeps doing damage to people. Mm. Yeah. Delicious. They're losing life. You're drawing cards. They're so losing good. planeswalkers. It's just like it made planeswalkers so bad. Yes. So bad. Yes, can you imagine did. like spending five mana on a planeswalker? And then them just like being like, ah, I'll draw two, gain two, kill your planeswalker. I'll draw two, gain two, kill your planeswalker, kill cre your creature. Gross. All right. Great that was a really good pick. Thanks. And it doesn't matter if you can see it coming because it's just, it's, it is the haymaker of haymakers, right? You get something out of it regardless. Unless they have a surge of righteousness. Surge of righteousness. It's a one white that basically counters invoke despair. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. But it got printed and it shared the form, the standard format with Invoke Despair for like two weeks before Invoke Despair got banned. Up next is Kyle. It's me. Kyle's so, going to give us a hints towards a card that is a blowout, even if you see it coming. All right. This card is he's they're a big guy and they got an old man's name. Old man's name. Or a, a nerdy old guy name. Is it a green card? No, but green is in the deck that's it's he's playing old man's name is it a black creature it is not a creature and it is not black is it a planeswalker it is a planeswalker non-black planeswalker does it cost four or more mana more than four is it does the card include the color identity blue does so not green not blue not black so white red yeah. nope oh my god is it colorless <laughs> is, is it, it card? eugene it is Eugene. Who's Eugene? Eugene. Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Oh. I never call him Ugin. It's always Eugene. And shout out to Eugene who can't be fucked with. <laughs> Eugene the Ineffable. Eugene the Ineffable. Oh. But Ugin the Spirit Dragon, when you play against Tron, you know he's coming. And especially me playing like dirtily creature decks, no matter what they are in that format. There's like, here's Ugin, minus three. Would you like to concede? I love that card so much too. I've played Tron. I know. I've, I'm like the villain and the victim in this. No. Play Tron, you're always the villain. Now, I have got a pick. It is a multicolor card. Okay. But it does not care about hexproof. Okay. okay. Also, my last cryptic hint it does not function if somebody has stomped this turn. Okay. So, this so turn. the damage can't be prevented. So, it, so does it prevent damage? It does. Like, does it say prevent damage or is it like a protection thing? It says prevent that damage. Okay. Multicolor does not care about hair. Wow. I. Oh, man. Is it two colors? Yes. Blue? Is it blue black? Is so... blue in it, though? Not at all. Is white in it? Of course. Yeah. To prevent damage. Yeah. yeah. Is it uh, white blue or white red? It is white red. Doesn't care about hex proof. Is There's it no... deflecting palm? 
It is deflecting bombs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, death. yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> the next time a source of your choice would deal damage to you this turn, prevent that damage. If damage is prevented this way, deflecting palm deals that much damage to that source's controller. I would like to give okay. this back to you. <laughs> it's just red-white for an instant. It is really good against, like, Merktides and Eldrazi's and anything that's trying to just take huge chunks off your life total, especially Worm if you're coil. an aggressive deck. Worm coil, it's great. It's just really good. I have a specifically a really good story about deflecting palm in which I was in like the finals of a PPTQ back when that was a thing. Mm -hmm. And I was playing against uh, a buddy of mine in the finals who had built the deck for me, mm. the deck that I was playing. Like I was playing this deck and it was it was Jeskai Mantis Rider Citadel Siege. Oh, yeah. So I would like Mantis Rider, hit them for three, untap Citadel Siege, counters on that, hit them for five untap leave up mana and then hit them for seven and then hit them for nine and just like the mantis rider would get bigger and bigger i did get to attack my opponent for five they blocked with a storm breath dragon that had protection from white and i wild slashed their face so my That's mantis so rider got to eat their storm breath dragons but in this specific matchup so the reason this is what came to mind for me was he had built this deck and i've been like yeah i really want to have some cards for this matchup in the sideboard i don't i think that matchup is kind of rough for me and I don't feel like I'm like the sideboard is really addressing it in any way. And I think it's just popular enough that I'm going to run into it. And he was just like, I think you just have to concede that matchup. He's like, I think that you can't beat that. I think you can't beat the heroic matchup here. He's mm -hmm. like, I don't think you can beat it. I think you just have to accept that's a loss and not waste any sideboard slots on. And I was like, eh, I'm going to go ahead and put, dedicate two slots to it because I also think that it, that deflecting palm that I wanted to put in those slots is also helps me in another matchup where I have more cards that I want to take out than I need to bring in. I was just like, I can also bring in Deflecting Palm against the Storm Breath Dragon decks. And I mm -hmm. like, well, we do this. And then he and I meet up in the finals and he's playing heroic. And he goes, upkeep, give my guy hexproof. And I look at him and I say, resolves. <laughs> and he looks at me for a second and there's a bit of silence and everyone in the store is watching and is dead quiet. And he goes, oh, fuck you. <laughs> And then he like attacks me for 12 lifelink and I just go deflecting palm. Oh my God. You do not gain 12. Oh, instead, so good. Oh my God. It was great. It was great. Whether no, you definitely not... don't need those. Like just well, leave them out of your sideboard. He wasn't even playing at the time he was at the time he was building the deck and we were talking about this. He wasn't even playing heroic. It was like it wasn't like he built it for that event. It was just like what we were putting together and mm -hmm. that was just the he was like i think you need to see that matchup and then he ended up playing that deck oh my god and it was so funny it's so good no i just kept putting in bad cards that he insisted i didn't and then i kept <laughs> getting paid off for my bad decisions and that like like repeatedly that happened and like having grown a lot as a player since then i can tell you that is just like the most frustrating thing in the world if you're just like hey yep. person who's learning what you're doing is not very good because of this. And they're like, I'm going to ignore you and do it anyway. And then they do it anyway and get rewarded for it. Like yep. the one out of a hundred times that they get will get rewarded for it happens. You're just like, all right, they are going to learn a lesson from this, but it's going to be the exact wrong one. They're <laughs> going to take they're going to take away that this is the right thing to do. I, I feel secondhand frustration for the guy at this point. <laughs> Fabulous. All right, this is Anthony on a follow-up. After recording our episode, I can tell you that Pro Tour Lord of the Rings has wrapped up. And it was, in fact, won by 
newcomer Jake Beardsley. So congratulations to Jake Beardsley. I do want to let you know our totals for the Pro Tour Lord of the Rings Fantasy Draft. In third place with 88 total match points was Kyle. It looked like Reed Duke did not have the best weekend. And I think that number one pick being used on Reed Duke in this situation really kept Kyle's total possible points pretty low. In second place was myself, barely by like two match points edging out Kyle. And part of that was I had some pretty mid-level performances across the board. Guillaume Wafatapa did not play blue-black. He actually played blue-white control. And he did not perform particularly well. So that really kept me pretty capped on the max number of points I could earn. Ashley, however, 50% of her team top aided this event. So in what was more than a 20-point blowout, Ashley wins the Pro Tour Lord of the Rings Fantasy Draft. She managed to pick both Javier Dominguez and Christian Calcano, by the way, lost in the finals of this event. So congratulations to Ashley. I've got to go and get a custom trophy made for her. Hopefully it'll say something, something disparaging. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like and subscribe. It helps us out a ton and makes it easier for other players like you to hear what we have to say. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, Peanut.fm, and iHeartRadio. One of those was not real, but we'll never tell. It was Peanut, wasn't it? Oh, shut the fuck up.